Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us this morning in worship. Always blessed by them. Well, how many of you were freezing whenever you woke up this morning? Anybody in the house? Slip a hand up real quick. All right, that's three of you. God bless. I can tell this is a participatory cloud, all right? But uh, yeah, I woke up this morning freezing, right? I I don't normally uh, get very cold, but this morning was absolutely horrible. I got in my truck, couldn't see through the windshield because of all the ice, so I had to drive looking through this little peephole just in the middle just to stay on the road, but it was absolutely terrible, right? At the same time, when I looked in the mirror this morning, I realized that my hair was cut a little bit too short last time I went to the uh, lady who cuts it, and that kind of aggravates me. Matter of fact, one of the um, one of these called sideburns was off. One's a little longer than the other. Drove me nuts. And uh, then I put my pants on this morning and realized that there was a little something on them. I've not washed them since the last time I wore them, and so I did a little dry cleaning. Y'all know what dry cleaning is, right? You just scrape off whatever's on there. That's dry cleaning, right? I did that, but I drove in, and honestly, I don't even feel that good today. Are y'all listening to me? Everybody with me? Can somebody tell me what I'm doing right now? Okay, say it out loud. I can't hear you. Yeah, I am complaining. Aren't y'all glad I don't open a sermon like this every Sunday? That would be horrible. I even feel weird up here doing it right now. But this morning, what I'm preaching on is complaining. Reality is, you and I are going to face struggles in our life as followers of Christ. And often, whenever we face those struggles, we deal with temptations to fall into emotions that are ungodly. Last week, we talked about discouragement, despair. Today, we're talking about complaining, getting into that attitude of griping. In fact, if you think about it this morning, whenever you begin griping, it becomes a slippery slope that leads you into a category of just negativity. So every single thing you see, every single person you come in contact with, you have something to say about it or something negative to say about them. And whenever you fall into a category of negative lifestyle, what ends up happening there is that you begin to harden your heart. Matter of fact, you harden your heart towards people around you, and then ultimately you harden your heart towards the Lord. But whenever we complain, I mean, what what are we really doing? A couple of things. First of all, whenever we complain, we think that we deserve better in life. That's why we complain. So we see our situations, our circumstances, and we think, man, we deserve better. This is horrible. And so we gripe about what's going on. Or at the same time, often, whenever we complain, we complain because we think we know what is best for our life. And what we're receiving from the Lord, what we're receiving from others, yeah, we don't like it. We don't feel like that's the best. And so we complain about that situation or complain about that person. So the question that I want to ask this morning is when you fall into an attitude of negativity, when you begin to fall down the slope of complaining and you harden your heart, is there a way that you can come out of that? Is there a way that God will bring you out of that? Is there a word from the Lord? And uh, the answer is yes. Aren't you glad for that? Say amen. So we're going to look at that together this morning in Psalm chapter 95. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 95, right in the middle of the Bible there, Psalm 95. Now, the psalmist, he is writing to a congregation who have fallen into negativity. They've fallen into this complaining, griping, murmuring attitude. And he issues four steps that they can take so that they will come out of that particular attitude and they can get back to where God really desires for them to be. Because eyeball to eyeball, even before we read this, let me tell you, God does not want you to live a life of negativity. He doesn't want you to live a life complaining and griping and murmuring. That is not God's will for you. So if you're living that way, uh, the Lord wants to speak to you. Now here's the thing. 
often whenever you preach on negativity, those who really need to hear it are so negative that they don't even pay attention. So they'll say something, even as I'm talking about this, well, this isn't for me. I don't even like listening to Levi preach anyway, right? This is a horrible day, horrible sermon. Y'all with me? I'm not, I'm I'm in the intro and you already hate it, right? So that's the thing. So, So what I want to do whenever we look at this text today is I want you to think about how you can help someone who has a negative kind of lifestyle, how you can help somebody who has fallen in to that category of complaining and griping and murmuring, because I know it's not you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This message is for somebody you know. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I know I'm doing this weirdly because I know it's probably for every single one of us. But really and truly, we're going to get equipped because the psalmist is the one who is equipped to help those who are in this kind of attitude. And it's phenomenal, the steps that he gives them. So look with me, if you will. Psalm 95, again, uh, reading in verse 1. If you'll stand with me and I've God's word this morning. Uh, you got that in front of you? Say amen. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God. Somebody say amen. And a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his land. And then notice this, today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. That's a strong word, by the way, from the Lord. Don't you agree? When the Lord says, for 40 years, I loathed them. Don't want the Lord to say about that about us. And then he goes on and said, they are a people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter into my rest. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that you would help each one of us understand how to come out of a griping, complaining, negative, hard-hearted kind of life. Lord, do a work uh, in your people as only you can. I fully trust the word Uh, to work in the hearts of individuals that they might be sanctified. I truly uh, trust the Holy Spirit now uh, to take the Word of God and apply it to every single situation in every single life on every single chair. And God, I'm trusting you to do that. And uh, just as the song that we sang said, uh, Lord, I agree, Lord, I need you. So, So please use me as you see fit. And that's in Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. So four ways the psalmist really does encourage them to come out of a complaining attitude. First of all, notice what he does. He invites them to worship. He invites them to worship. Which by the way, just so that you're aware, when you are complaining, griping, when you are in that category of negativity, it always crowds out your worship. So it seems awkward that the psalmist would speak to a crowd that is negative and say, hey, come on, let's worship together. But that's exactly what he does. He invites them to public corporate worship. Notice again in verse 1, the Bible says, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. 
let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. A few things to note there. First of all, he says, let us, let us. Again, it's an invitation, not to private worship. This is an invitation to public worship. So if you know somebody who is negative, if you know somebody who is always griping and complaining, don't avoid them. Instead, go to them and invite them to worship. Say, hey, come on down. I want you to come with me to God's house. We're going to sing to the Lord. Invite them. Come on, come on, come on. That's the very best place that a person with a griping heart can be, is in the presence of other followers of Jesus lifting up songs to the Lord. That does something to our attitude. It also does something to our hearts. And so here he says, let us come, and notice how he says it, sing for joy to the Lord. Which, by the way, to sing, uh, I looked it up in the Hebrew, it means to emit a tremendous sound. Aren't you glad I taught you that? But that's the idea. It's this concept of lifting up your voice, and then he goes on and says, let us sing for joy to the Lord. And then I love the next little phrase, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. This idea of a joyful noise from the Hebrew speaks of a war cry. It is a war cry of victory. And what the psalmist says is he's like, all right, guys, y'all have a negative attitude right now. You've got some griping, complaining going on. I want y'all to, let's all get together. Come here. Let's all come together. Let's worship the Lord with singing. So let's lift up our voice in harmony to the Lord. And then also let us give out a war cry of victory to the Lord. And then he describes the Lord here. He says he's the rock of our salvation. And whenever he mentions the rock here, he's pointing back to, once again, how the Israelites were brought out of Egyptians' bondage into freedom. So he says, don't don't you remember? Come here, come here. Let's all worship, let's sing, and then let's give a war cry to the Lord because of the victory that he has given to us. Now, you and I, in the New Testament days, look back to the cross of Calvary. Whenever you find yourself falling into negativity or complaining or griping or murmuring, first thing you should do is you should look back to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. He was buried, and then the stone was rolled away, and he was set free. Listen, in Jesus, we find the rock of our salvation. They were saved from the slavery to Egypt. You and I are saved from the slavery to sin. And so because of the victory of Christ, we should give out a war cry. That's what the psalmist says, a war cry to the Lord. Now, I know that seems awkward because we don't do that in worship, do we? Now, we may sing some songs, but I would even venture to say that you can be invited to worship. You can sing some songs here this morning, but not actually be worshiping the Lord. You can sing some songs. And, and you can know them. Matter of fact, some of you, that's how you were this morning. It's like Amazing Grace. I know that song. I'll sing that a little bit. Uh, you know, Blessed be his name. I know that one. I'll, I'll sing that one as well. So th- this is uh, coming out of you, but you're not actually singing to someone. And there's a difference between singing a song and singing a song to someone. And so this encouragement is, hey, if you're griping negative, even if you don't feel like it, that's not a time for you to withdraw from worship. That's a time for you to press in on worship. Whenever it is most difficult, that's when you want to fight the hardest. And I love this idea of a war cry because the temptation to complain, to gripe, and to murmur, that is a spiritual battle in your life and in my life. And so the only way to come out of that through victory is that we would sing praises to the Lord and we would give a war cry to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the rock of our salvation. Now, I remember when I was in Ethiopia... And uh, first time I had an opportunity to worship uh, with some Ethiopian brethren and sistren there, right? And uh, while we were there, we began to sing. So I didn't know all the songs because uh, 
they were singing obviously in a different language. They were singing in Amharic, which is their native language. But every once in a while, a, a familiar tune would come up and uh, Amazing Grace came up. So I remember whenever that song came, I began to sing along with them, right? So I'm singing uh, Amazing Grace in English there in Amharic. But in the midst of that time of worship, something happened that I'd never seen happen before in a worship service. Matter of fact, it caught me off guard. So much so that uh, I began to stare at what was going on. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? So here's the thing. Somebody over to my left during our time of worship began to give out this loud uh, scream, this yelling sound, right? So I'm like, amazing grace, how sweet the... What in the world? And so I'm looking at this guy over here. He's making this crazy sound. He's got tears running down his cheeks like a river. He's got his hands lifted up to the Lord in worship, right? Now, I'd never heard the sound before, and if you heard it, it would cause you to go, what's going on? Um, and I, w- I want to describe it, but I can't really describe it because words can't describe it. So, so I'm going to make the sound. Are y'all all right with that? I'm asking you guys. Y'all all right with that? So this is basically what it sounds like. Are y'all ready? <clears throat> I got to clear my voice because it's kind of a high pitch. That's my warning to you. So anyway, I'm worshiping, and then imagine hearing this. Are y'all with me? Now, if that happened this morning, y'all be like, what's wrong with these people, right? That's what you'd be saying. And so that, here I am and I, in worship, and I'm like, good night. What is he doing? And then, this is no joke, over to my right, towards the back, I heard the same sound. So now, <laughs> I almost got whiplash. I, I'm like this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> my man, what is he doing back there? And then I learned what they were doing. Well, they, they were giving a war cry of victory in the midst of worship. So they're not only singing songs, but they're being overwhelmed as they look back to the rock of their salvation, the Lord Jesus, and they are so free and so cleared of their guilt, they are so overwhelmed by the victory that they have in Christ, they're like, all we can do is scream. We don't do that, do we? You know why we don't do that? Because that'd be weird. We think that's awkward. Like we're in worship, if somebody screams, what will we do? We're Baptist. Y'all ever said that before? Are we Baptist? But this text says, give out a war cry of victory. Scream to the Lord. You got a complaining negative attitude? You need to come on. Come on in. Come on and worship the Lord. Let us together begin to sing songs to him. Let us together give a war cry of victory, which we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so would y'all agree we have something to sing about? Let me ask y'all again, because y'all don't seem to be paying attention to the message. Do y'all agree we have something to sing about? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Do we have something to scream about? God bless you. <laughs> you noticed my head. It was like, what just happened? <laughs> Please remove her. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. It's amazing, man. You go to a ball game, they're not afraid to give a war cry. <laughs> then we come to worship and all of a sudden we get dignified. Do we not? Verse 2, look at it. He says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. That idea of coming before his presence means to press in. 
It reminds me of uh, the book of Hebrews where the author says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. So it's this idea, hey, and again, this is corporate, not individual. This is like, come on, let's all go together. Let's press in to the presence of the Lord. Let's lean into where he is and worship him in thanksgiving. And then he says, let us shout joyfully with psalms. So again, it's this idea of singing psalms to the Lord. Now, uh, there are some songs in your life, just like there are some songs in my life that carry us back to a certain time in our lives. There are some songs that I can hear, takes me back to when I was 16 years old, driving my S10 pickup truck, five-speed bucket seat. Can I get a witness on that, right? But yeah, immediately, I hear that song, and I'm like, oh, I remember that. And I, I can't tell you how many times Krista has heard a song, and she's like, I used to drive around in my Honda Civic listening to that, right? Because she's thinking back to when she was a teenager, Right? Back to when you had no responsibility. Can I get a witness on that? But anyway, so that, that was it. There are some songs uh, that Krista and I hear, and I hear that remind me of her. Matter of fact, there is one song that is sung as a duet by Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Can I get a witness on it? And uh, listen, listen, when we hear that song, we sing it and we look at each other. That's what we do. And I learned how to play it once on the guitar so we could sing it together. We even did it one time karaoke on a cruise. And the place went crazy. Do y'all know the song? It's, it's your love. Y'all know this song? Y'all were singing it right now, weren't you? You're thinking of your loved one, right? Yep. <laughs> I just try to mess y'all up. It's your love. Just does something to me. And then I like this part. Sends a shock right through me. <laughs> right, right. So we sing that song. It reminds me of her. But, but here's the thing. The song. Y'all come on back. Y'all are, are saying, I can't believe you just shook like that. Yes. But here's the thing. Whenever you are in a situation where you're griping and complaining and hating life, the invitation is come to worship and sing songs that remind you of your Savior. That's the deal. And there are songs in my life that God has used to remind me of Him over and over again. Matter of fact, we just sang uh, one of those songs, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Whenever I find myself in a negative attitude, complaining, murmuring, the Lord seems to, I think by His Spirit, remind me of that song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I begin to sing. I've sang that by myself, sang that corporately with others. And there's something about that song that refocuses my heart and my mind. And look at the preacher this morning. That's what some of you need to do. You need to have your heart and mind refocused on what is truly important in your life. Who should be first and center of all things for you? And that's the Lord Jesus. Some of you, you were griping all the way to church today, but I'm glad you came. So now it's like, and that's what I love when James gets up and he leads worship and he encourages people. He's like, hey, y'all come on, sing with me, sing with me. Some people are like, I don't think you ought to do that. I think you should. That's what the psalmist did. Come on, let's go, let's worship the Lord. Let us do that together. That's the encouragement. So the first step for a griping attitude and heart is uh, let, let's go to worship. Let's come together to worship the Lord. Here's the second thing, jot this one down. Uh, he also reminds them of who they worship. He reminds them who they worship. Uh, somebody says, uh, why should we worship the Lord when we're negative, right? We're complaining, you know, we've been following Jesus and this is our life. Why should we worship the Lord now? And uh, verse three answers that. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. 
in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry ground. You know what the psalmist is doing here? The psalmist was reminding the congregation that Jehovah God, Elohim, was their God. And he's the king over all gods. Now, the interesting thing here is when you read this psalm, you're like, king over all gods, are there other gods? Uh, No, not at all. The Bible says there's only one God, and that is the Lord Jehovah, right? That's who God is. But when it says he's the king over all of the gods, what he's doing is he's pointing to all of the gods that were being worshipped in the surrounding areas. They were false gods. And when you compare the one true and living God to these gods, you begin to realize what's going on. For example, when you look at the uh, false gods of uh, the, the Philistines, they had Dagon was their god. Well, they made that god out of their own imagination. So they got a piece of wood, and they're like, we want our god to hear. So they made ears. We want our god to see. So they gave him eyes. We want him to speak. So they gave him a mouth. We want him to be able to stand up. So they gave him feet, right? They're putting all of this on him out of their imagination. And what the psalmist says is, you're not worshiping some carved image, You are worshiping the one true and living God. Don't forget that. And at the same time here, he's reminding them that the God they worship is not, and listen closely, a localized God. Now, what does that mean, localized? Well, again, if you think about the false god Dagon of Philistia, that was the God of the Philistines. That was the God of that territory. But if they went outside of that territory, they didn't know who God was. They had to find out who's God of this territory. So that's the idea there. And whenever you think about the Lord, what the psalmist is saying, look, you go to the highest mountains, yeah, those are his. You go to the deepest parts of the earth, yeah, that's the Lord's too. As far as your eye can see, all of that is the Lord's. He is not relegated to one local spot. He's God over all of creation. That's what he's reminding you and I of who he is. And the amazing thing is, whenever you and I begin to see who God truly is, it reminds us who we are. He is God, not you. He is the king, not you. He is the sovereign one, not you. See, here's what happens. When we begin to think that we're the king, we kind of call the shots in our life. Or if we're in control and we kind of, you know, make everything work, when we live that way and think we are the ones, that's what leads us to a complaining attitude. Because that's when we feel like, well, we should have it better then. We, we should, it shouldn't be this way because I deserve the best. That's because you think you're the king. <laughs> are y'all listening? But the psalmist is like, no, no. He's the king. And I love another psalm, too, that uh, reminds me of this in Psalm chapter 8. Whenever he was worshiping God, he made this statement. He says, what is man that you would take thought of him? Or the son of man that you would care for him? So, So what happens when you worship? When you worship and get a picture of who the Lord is, it reminds you of who you are. Reminds you how great he is and how small you really are. Changes your perspective. The world does not revolve around you. It revolves around the Lord himself. That's the challenge here. He's saying, listen, invite them. If they're complaining, let's invite them to worship. Come on, let's worship them. Don't forget who you're worshiping, though. You're worshiping the one true and living God. Make no mistake about it. And then he gives another statement, and that is he invites you to get low. He invites you to get low. Notice uh, verse 6. I hope you saw this. He says, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. 
Which, by the way, look at me. I bought, I bought, this is not an invitation to feel humble. It's not like, hey, I want y'all to feel humble. Do you feel it? Do you feel humble? No, no. This is a command uh, to come and to worship. That, that imagery there is to get low before the Lord, to bow down. It means literally to lay yourself out prostrate before the Lord. That's the image. You got a negative complaining heart? Come on and worship. Remember who God is, and you get down on your face before him. That's what he said. Put your head on the mat. That's what he said. Come and get down really low before the Lord. And what a challenge that is. And it's a command. Humble yourself. Matter of fact, we see that in the book of James. Humble yourself before the Lord. It's not a feeling. It's an action. You choose to humble yourself. And you show that humility by laying yourself prostrate on the floor. That's what the Bible says. Now, I know, because I know what you're thinking, too. You're, you're thinking to yourself, what? Prostrate on the floor? I remember Marietta Square one time, around lunch hour. I was walking through it. place was crowded, all sorts of folks. And then off into uh, the corner of the square, I saw all these people begin to do something together. They all began to take rugs out of their backpacks and stuff. And they were throwing their rugs down on the ground. And then while they were all doing that, they were all facing the exact same direction. And then I just stopped. I'm like, what are these people doing? I'm going to watch this. And here's what they did. They knelt down on their knees, and then they put their heads to the ground, and then they sat up, put their hands up, eyes closed, and then they went straight down again. I'm watching it, and you know, you know what it was? It was a group of Muslims. A group of, in the Marietta Square, the public hour, somebody said, let's go out here and worship. And they went and they prostrated themselves. And I see that, and I'm thinking, good. Now, they are bowing before a God that does not even exist. That's what they're doing. Allah is a created God in the imagination of a dude named Muhammad. And yet, they are willing to be like, all, all on the mat for you. And then we come to worship, and we might sing a few songs, or we might say even a prayer. But it's like, get low? you got to be kidding me. I'm not doing that. Same thing. Same thing we do. We're, 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 we're Baptist. We don't do that. We're, would you rather be Baptist or biblical? I would go with the biblical side. Are y'all listening to me preach? Because this is the idea of like getting low. And I know what you do too. You're like, well, he's just talking about the attitude of the heart. I said, he just wants to be low in your heart. If a gunman walked into this room and I said, y'all better get down. I don't think you'd look to your neighbor and be like, he's just talking about us in our hearts. <laughs> Getting down, he wants us to get down in our hearts. I don't think that's what the psalmist is saying either. He's like, no, 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 sometimes you got to physically get low to remind yourself of who you are and who he is. That's the idea. So about him, come on, come on, come on, come to worship. Don't forget who you worship and get low before him. What a challenge. He even says, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. It means take a knee. And then again, there's that reminder, for he is our God. In verse 7, we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. Listen, when life is struggling and you're still following the Lord, know this. He is the good shepherd who will still care for you in the midst of that struggle. But don't fall into a complaining negative attitude. And if you find yourself doing that, you find some people, you get them together, and you worship the Lord. Sing songs. Give a war cry. Let me give you the last one. I can tell you I don't like this sermon. 
The last deal is this, issue a warning to them. Issue a warning to them. And that's what the uh, psalmist does. And it seems kind of wild, right? So and this is what I'm telling you, right? So just listen. When I, when I was reading the psalm and studying the psalm, I was thinking, man, I wish he would have left us on a high note, right? Real source of encouragement. But no, he's like, issue this strong warning. And then the psalm is just like, over. It's done. What, what is the warning? Well, end of verse 7, he says, uh, today if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Which, by the way, I believe one of the main ways that you and I have an opportunity to hear the voice of the Lord is when we worship and humble ourselves. The proud man doesn't listen to the Lord. The proud woman doesn't worship. The hard-hearted pushing God out. They're not giving themselves to him. He says here, don't harden your heart, which by the way, hard heart is a personal choice. Just a few things about a hard heart. Let me read these to you. To harden your heart means that you are stubborn or obstinate. And in this case, it speaks about ignoring God, avoiding him, choosing to be difficult. And also in this case, it's a direct contradiction to worshiping the Lord. Hard hearts don't sing to the Lord. Hard hearts don't shout with triumph. Hard hearts refuse to give God a glory for his salvation. And the author's saying, don't, don't do that. If you hear his voice, you better respond. Quit pushing him out. And that's the case this morning. While I'm preaching, the Lord's speaking to some of you. And the thing is this, because some of you, you know you've got a negative attitude. You've been complaining and murmuring, right? And the Lord's speaking to you right now, and you're trying to say, nah, it's not for me. I'm not going to pay any attention to that. Let me just kind of do my own thing. He's like, don't, don't, act, don't harden your heart. When the Lord speaks, Listen. And then he goes on and gives the example, verse 8, no harden your hearts as at Meribah, which by the way, the word Meribah means strife, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. The word Massa there is the word for testing. And this uh, directs our attention back to when God rescued his people, Israel, out of Egyptian's bondage, brought them through the Red Sea, and then headed towards the promised land. They were in the wilderness, but they're headed towards the promised land. As soon as they came through, and you can imagine, right? You go through the Red Sea on dry ground, you're on the other side, and you look back, and the Egyptians are all drowned. What would you be doing? You'd be going, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd be fired up about that, right? You'd be screaming a war cry of victory. But it was like the next day, the people started griping. After all that God had already done, they still were griping. Matter of fact, uh, they went to Moses and they quarreled. They were like, uh, Moses, give us something to drink. We're thirsty. There's no water out here. You brought us out here. We're about to thirst to death. Um, they even... Uh, the Bible says they murmured, which is like a dull roar, which, by the way, if you think about just the word murmur, it's, uh, it's the concept of, uh, it's like the sound that occurs, right? And you think about a lot of people murmuring, it's like, murmur, right? So like, Moses, give us something to drink. And they're, rah, rah, rah. And so there it is. I've known church people like that. Just thought I'd throw it out there. And then they, they ask him, like, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses is like, uh, Lord, they, they have a point. What you want me to do? I mean, we are about to thirst to death. These people are getting angry. They're going to stone me. What, what are we going to do? So the Lord says to Moses, uh, strike a rock with a staff. So he did so and water gushed out. So what did the Lord do? He provided for their needs. It wasn't long after that, though, 
They started griping about being hungry. So what did the Lord do? He gave them manna from heaven every single day, took care of their needs. As a matter of fact, whenever you study the wilderness wanderings, you'll discover that the Bible says that even their sandals did not wear out. So for 40 years, they're wandering in the wilderness, but not one person's sandals wore out. He was taking care of their needs. But the people continued a horrendous pattern of griping and complaining. In Exodus 14, they said to Moses, we told you to leave us in Egypt. Why didn't you just leave us there? It would have been better there that we would die than to die out here traveling with you. Over and over, they complained, they complained, they complained, and murmured. Verse 10, notice what the Bible says in the book of Psalm 95. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. This is the Lord speaking. What does it mean to loathe a whole generation of people? It means he was disgusted with them, disappointed with them, fed up, right? You, you've had a parent before say to you, I, I've had it up to here. Are y'all listening? That's what the Lord was saying. He's like, I, I'm listening to it. I've had it up to here. I loathe this generation. And so what was their judgment? Verse 11, I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. And that was true. They missed God's promised land because of their griping and complaining. Forty years they wandered, not because it took that long to get to the promised land. The reason they wandered for 40 years is because God said, this complaining generation is going to have to die before I take the next one into the promised land. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And when you think about that, my question is, what is it that we are missing as the people of God? What is it that I'm missing as a follower of Jesus because of my complaining attitude? So what do we do when we're negative? What do we do when we run into somebody who's negative? Somebody even in our fellowship, if they're negative, what do we do? We're like, hey, man, you need to come on down here. Come on. Come on, let's worship. We're going together. Yeah, us. We're going to come together. We're going to sing praise to the Lord. War cry of victory. Let me remind you, by the way, who we're worshiping, right? This Jesus died to set you free from sin. This Jesus died on a cross so that you wouldn't have to go to hell for eternity. This Jesus redeemed you. This Jesus was buried and got up from the dead. Do not forget who we are worshiping. And then get low. Get low. Humble yourself. And if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It would be a sad thing to one day stand before the Lord and the Lord say, I wanted to take you here. But you griped and complained so much. I couldn't. I've often thought about um. Churches in general, when I study this, how many churches today has the Lord said, that whole generation is going to have to die before I can do something there? You're like, the Lord, he doesn't act like that. Yeah, he does, dude. That's why it's a warning to every one of us, man. So, hey, where, where's your attitude? You're griping, complaining, negative. If so, these are the steps. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for our time in your word today. Not an easy word to preach or deliver, but God, I'm thankful for what you've taught me through this psalm. And Lord, I pray for those who are present. With your head, uh, heads bowed, your, your eyes closed, how many just be honest before the Lord, right? Just honest before the Lord. And you say, you know what, Levi, 
Man, I, I fall into that category of negativity quite a bit. How many of you be honest? Just slip your hand up and say, man, that's me. Man, several hands, several hands. So my question is, what are you going to do about it today? Will, will you continue just to harden your heart? Or will you today worship the Lord, humble yourself, and say, Lord, root out this hard heart? And I love it, you know, in the, the Bible, the book of Jeremiah, it describes God's word as a hammer. A ha- and check this out. It's a hammer that breaks, shatters the hard hearts. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I'll never preach uh, and not give an opportunity for people to respond and place their faith in Jesus. Listen, some of you don't have a relationship with the Lord, but he formed you in your mother's womb. He created you to know him. Sin is what separates you, just as separates all of us. We've all sinned, the Bible says. We've all fallen short of the standard of God, the glory of the Lord, and the wages of our sin. The payment of our sin is death, but Jesus died for you. He did, 2,000 years ago. He died, he took the wrath of God in his own flesh. He was buried and raised again. And the Bible says, if you'll turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus, you can be forgiven, given brand new life. Let me encourage you to do that if you've not done that today. Just pray something like this in your heart. As I pray out loud, just say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I deserve to be separated from you. I deserve to die for my sin. But today I thank you that you sent Jesus to die in my place. I thank you for the resurrection also. And I pray today that you would give me a new life. Forgive me of my sin debt. And help me to follow you wholeheartedly. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Listen, if you say, Levi, that was me, just prayed with you to give my life to the Lord. Can you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. Uh, just, just slip your hand up. You say, Levi, man, that was me. I'm not going to come to you or embarrass you. just want to be praying for you. So Levi, that was me. Just prayed with you and gave my life to Christ. Slip your hand up real quick, right back down. The first step of obedience for a new believer's baptism. We're celebrating baptism next service. Would love to set up an opportunity for you to be baptized. So if you've not experienced that, let me invite you to come forward during this invitation as well. As we stand to sing, I want to invite you to come. Or God may be calling you to join this church body. If that's the case, let me invite you to come as well. But then let me just say, hey, listen, if you need to come here to an altar and get low before the Lord, this is your opportunity, right? This is your opportunity. So many hands went up when you're like, man, negativity, that's me. Well, listen, you've heard from Scripture what you need to do. So you can harden your heart or you can get low before the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that during this time of invitation. Father, the invitation is yours. I'm not going to try to manipulate anyone to do anything. I'm just going to trust that the Spirit of God will work in hearts and you'll do what you need to do in our lives so that we honor you. Put your hand on those who need to come forward and just pour out overwhelming grace upon lives. And we'll give you glory for it. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing, you come this morning.